We're turning your Bibles to Daniel chapter 12. Of course, we're right to the end of the book, and uh, the book covers not only the life of Daniel, but it covers end-time events as well. And the book takes us really all the way from the time of Daniel all the way to what we call the tribulation time period and then the the beginning of the kingdom. Now, when we look at this, we see that the character of Daniel is in the book. The end-time of... And when you think about the character of Daniel, it was amazing. What a man. From the time he was a young boy to an old man, he lived for God. It was just amazing. And then we see the end-time events, and that's what makes the book so exciting and so interesting because we see all these different visions of the kingdoms to come and the end-time events and and all of that. So we'll see. We'll finish out chapter 12 this morning. Then next week, we're going to put the whole book together. It'll be kind of fun. We're going to talk about some principles and truths we can gain from the book of Daniel. And so uh, come next week as we finish that out. Resurrection. When you say the word, we think, okay, resurrection, that's when somebody is raised from the dead. And you think about the Bible, you say, well, Jesus raised this little 12-year-old girl from the dead, and then and the widow of Nain was coming out of a city, and he stopped, and her son, was, her only son was on the top of this deal. They were carrying him out, and he was dead, and then Jesus stopped it, and he stood up. And then Lazarus was in the grave for four days, and Jesus raised him from the grave. And so we say resurrection, but that wasn't resurrection. I want you to understand, resuscitation is to come back to life to die again. And all of those people, the little girl and the widow at Nain's son and and Lazarus, they were raised from the dead to die again. That's called resuscitation. Resurrection is to come back to life never to die again. And Jesus Christ was was called the first fruits. He was the one that died on the cross to pay for sin and then was raised from the dead never to die again. We talked about it a little bit last week and the week before that, and we'll go over it again this morning about resurrection and how it fits together. But understand this, Jesus Christ died to pay for sin, rose to conquer death, the first one to rise from the grave, and then as 1 Corinthians says, and then after that, each one in their own order, and there's going to be, and we talked about it last couple of times, there's going to be different times that people will be raised from the dead. And by the way, resurrection is always bodily. It's not talking about a spiritual thing, it's talking about bodies being raised from the dead. This morning we see at the very end, that this angel tells Daniel, don't worry, you will die, but you will be raised from the dead. And think about this. Unless Jesus Christ comes back very soon, many of us, most of us, maybe every one of us will die and then one day be raised from the grave. Well, let's review. Let's think about where we are. Last time in chapter 12, we saw the first four verses dealt with the tribulation time period, the return of the Messiah. We saw that at the return of the Messiah, two big things happen, resurrection and judgment. That's when God raises and God rewards. And this morning, we're going to see the final part about Daniel's life. Let's just review quickly. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. It says, now at that time, Michael... The great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people. In other words, Michael is the archangel who guards the nation of Israel. He said it will rise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone is found written in the book, will be rescued. He's saying there's going to be a terrible time. We all know that that's called the tribulation. There's going to be a time on this earth, seven years. If you've been here with us as we studied the book of Daniel, we've seen this many times. But there'll be a seven-year time period, which is the worst time in all of history that's ever been. That's called the tribulation. He says there that everyone who's found written in the book will be rescued. That's the book of life. All people who have believed, their names are written in the book of life. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your name is in the book of life. These people that he's talking about, and primarily the angel is giving Daniel information about the Jewish people, those who have believed in the Messiah. He says all of those will be rescued. 
And so it's very powerful. Now, look at verse 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. The angel puts together the whole idea of resurrection. He says, one day people will be raised, some for life and some for separation. We talked about this and we said that there are believers who have eternal life with Jesus Christ. That's called the first resurrection. I'll talk to you more about it in a second. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, you will be raised from the dead. It's called first resurrection. If a person has not trusted in Jesus Christ, they will be raised from the dead, but they will be raised separated from Jesus Christ, and the Bible calls that the second death. So let me remind you of what we've seen about resurrection. We said this, that there's a thing called the first resurrection and the second resurrection. Second resurrection is often called the second death. The first resurrection, which ties together, has three different parts. Jesus Christ died and rose again. He's the first one to ever rise from the grave. The next event will be the church in which Jesus Christ comes in the clouds. The dead in Christ will rise first. We are alive and remain to be caught up together with them. That's the second part of the first resurrection. Then at the end of the tribulation, when Jesus Christ comes back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Old Testament saints and those people who died during the tribulation, they will be raised from the grave. So in this first resurrection, Jesus first, church second, Old Testament tribulation saints third, that all ties together to be what we call the first resurrection. If you notice that we, we got on this chart called the second resurrection, it's also called the second death after the thousand year reign of Christ. Unbelievers are raised to stand before the great white throne judgment. That's called the second resurrection. That's also called the second death. And so when you see how that ties together, and, and uh, uh, it's amazing when you look at those things. So in chapter 2, in verse 2, he says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will wake everlasting life, some to disgrace. He just puts it all together, and we see it that way. All of us who know Christ as Savior, we're the church, we're the body of Christ. Jesus has already died and rose again. We're waiting for Jesus to come in the clouds. That's the next event. There's not one thing that has to happen before Jesus comes. He could come at any second. He could come right now. If he comes, the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be changed immediately. As 1 Corinthians says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be changed. That's resurrection. And then at the end of that seven-year time period at the tribulation, when Jesus comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Old Testament saints, that's Daniel, and those who died during the tribulation will be raised from the grave. So that's the first resurrection, and that's also the second resurrection or the second death. So uh, there's a thousand years separating those two resurrections. Notice, as we go to verse 3, he then begins to deal with rewards. And we saw this last week, and that's not why we're not going into a lot of detail. But he says, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness expanse of heaven, and those who led many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. He's saying those who have done the right things will be rewarded. They will, they will shine like stars forever. They will be rewarded. And that's what rewards are. And I want you to understand that all believers... One day, Romans 14 says, As I live, said the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise to God. Therefore, each person will give an account of himself to God. This is not talking about salvation. Salvation is a gift. It's by faith alone and Christ alone and you're saved forever. But you will stand before Jesus Christ and unbelievers will stand before Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with rewards. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says that each one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the rewarding seat of Christ, to be rewarded for the things we've done in this body. So just understand that one of these days, you will stand before your Savior and what you want to hear Him say is, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you want to hear. So we're going to stand before him at Romans 14, 2 Corinthians 5. And unbelievers will stand before him. We'll talk more about it. Uh, maybe. Well, let me just show you this. When Jesus died and rose again, he ascended into heaven. We're in the church age. He's going to come get us in the clouds and take us off. Most people believe, let me just show you what most people believe, that when Jesus comes and gets us, that's when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we get our rewards. There's some debate on that. I'm going to show you something from our passage this morning that may make a little bit difference. So we will stand before Jesus Christ to be rewarded. Unbelievers will be raised to stand before the great white throne judgment. And what I want you to understand is the books are opened, it says, the books of deeds, not sins, deeds, and then the books of life. And really what it says is, if the name is not found written in the book of life, they're cast into the lake of fire. An unbeliever, no matter how many good deeds they have in the book of deeds, that doesn't save a person. We're not saved by works or goodness or righteousness. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. So when the unbelievers stand before God and the books of deeds are open and they might say to God, look at the good things that I did, he can say, is your name in the book of life? And if it's not in the book of life, that person will be cast into the lake of fire. That's why it's sad. That's why there's so many people today that are confused and they think that trying to live a good life or do good things or going to church or getting baptized or trying to do righteous things somehow will get them to God. Salvation is a gift by faith alone in Christ alone for eternal life. But as we live as believers, that's when we get rewards. So that's what we see. There's a, that's the big difference. So in chapter, verse, uh, verse uh, 3, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness and those kind of things. And so that's rewards. Then look what he says to Daniel in verse 4. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. People say, what does that actually does that mean? When he says seal up the book, it doesn't necessarily mean hide it. It means protect it. And though this information was to be protected, and there's a great truth here, that the truths in Daniel, some of them are so hard to put together until the book of Revelation was written, and that was in 95 AD by John. What we find then is when you take the book of Revelation and the book, uh, book of Daniel and the book of Revelation and put them together, a lot of things make more sense. That's why I think he says, Daniel, conceal the word, seal them up until the end of time. The end of time is the final revelation there. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. He says people are going to learn more and more and they're going to get more revelation and that's what we call the New Testament and it's all put together. Now, this is where we ended last week. So let's see where we are this week. What happens to Daniel? It says, then I, Daniel, Daniel's talking. I, I looked and behold, two others were standing, one on this bank of the river and the other on the other bank of the river. If you remember when he started, went back in chapter 10, verse 4, he was in the Tigris River, which was outside the city of Babylon. And while he was standing by the river, they saw something, some people ran away. And there was this person standing, basically floating above the water. Now, the question was, is that Jesus Christ? Because the description seemed to fit Jesus. But when we look at the passage this morning, we're going to see who that, we'll see something about that person, and then you can decide whether you think it's Jesus or do you think it's an angel. We'll look at it in just a second. So he then looks, and he sees two more people. 
He says, I looked and there were two others were standing, one on the bank of the river and one on this bank of the river and one on the other bank of the river. And that's a drawing that we found. I found on the internet. It, it says in Daniel, and there, there they are. There's Daniel. There's the one floating above the water. Is that Jesus? We don't know. We don't know, and I'll talk to you more about it in a minute. The description of him fits the description in the book of Revelation of being Jesus, but it may or may not be him. Second is, there's these two other angels standing on the banks of the river. And so look what happens when, he, when, when all that happens. Verse 6, and, and one said to the man dressed in linen who was above the waters, one of these angels or one of these beings said to the one above the water, how long will it be till the end of these wonders? He's saying, how long will it be before all this comes to pass? And he's really talking about the tribulation and, and the Antichrist and, and the end of time. And when Jesus comes as the King of Kings and the people will be raised from the dead, he's saying, how long is it going to be? When will all this happen? And he's talking about what we call the second coming with the clouds to the earth. Now, I want you to understand something. There are two comings of Jesus Christ to the earth. The first coming of Jesus Christ to the earth came when he was born in Bethlehem. He came to die on the cross and pay for sin. The second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth is at the end of the tribulation when he comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's what we're talking about in Daniel. There is another coming of Jesus Christ, but it's not to the earth it is in the clouds, it is what we call the rapture, when he comes in the clouds and the dead in Christ rise first and we who are alive and remain be caught up together. So we're talking about in this passage the second coming of Christ and he's raising the question, when will this be? And notice what verse 7 says. I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river and he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be a time and times and half a time as soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. Now, before we look at time, times, and half a time, we said when we first started looking at the passage that it could be Jesus. But look what this passage says. It says, The one above the waters raises his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swears by him who lives forever. Who lives forever? That's God. Now, it could be Jesus swearing by the Father, or it could be an angel swearing to God. I don't know. My first impression is that that's not Jesus, that's an angel. But it doesn't matter, it doesn't tell us. But what he does tell us is how long it's going to be, and he says, a time, times, and half a time. We have seen that many times in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation. A time means a year. Times means two years. A half a time means a half a year. That's three and a half years. You remember, that's exactly the time of the abomination desolation when the Antichrist, Antichrist takes, takes, makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel. He makes it for seven years. Halfway through the seven years, or three and a half years, he puts his idol up in the temple, claims to be God. That final three and a half years is what he's talking about. If you remember, this is the chart that we gave you when we studied that. This is the final seven years. He makes a covenant, a peace pact with Israel at the three and a half year mark. The Antichrist puts his idol in the temple in Daniel 9, 27. That's called the abomination of desolation. And Matthew 24, 25, Jesus calls it the abomination of desolation. And this one, it says basically the same thing. This would be the abomination. So here it is, three and a half years, or a time, times, and half a time. We've 
see this all throughout the scripture in Revelation. It's listed for 42 months. That's three and a half years. It's listed in Revelation 12, 6 and 14 as 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. It's listed in Revelation 12, 4 as 42 months. It's listed in Daniel 7, 25 as time, times, and half a time. So it's listed here. He's telling them from the time of the abomination desolation because he says, shattering the power of the holy people. When the Antichrist claims to be God, goes into the temple, puts his idol there, there'll be 40, basically 42 months, three and a half years, 1,260 days until the Messiah returns. And that's what we've seen all the way through. So that shattering of the people is that. And by the way, this time period we see is called uh, Jeremiah's trouble. The, uh, Jeremiah 30 verse 7 is called Jacob's trouble, I'm sorry, which is Israel's trouble. This is where the problems come when the Antichrist comes. Now, I want to read you something. Most people have never really studied Zechariah. But I want you to listen to this. I'm going to turn to Zechariah. And you don't have to turn there. I want you to listen to this. Zechariah writes about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Listen to what happens at the end, because there will be a battle and the fall of Jerusalem. This is at the end of the tribulation. Listen what happens. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil will be taken from you, and you'll be divided among you. I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, half of the city exiled, but the rest of the people will be not cut off from the city. That's when the armies come against Jerusalem to destroy Jerusalem. Then listen what happens. Then the Lord will go forth and he will fight against those nations as he fights on the day of the battle. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will split in its middle from the east to the west by a very large valley so that half of the mountain will move to the north and the other half to the south. When Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the enemies have surrounded Jerusalem at the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ will come to the Mount of Olives. When he lands on the Mount of Olives, it will split from the north to the south. There will be a great valley and Jesus Christ will speak and destroy Satan and his armies. That's what's going to happen. And when, if you go back to the book of Daniel, he says, listen, it's going to be three and a half years, times time and half a time, until this happens. Now, you may be saying, you know, you're going so fast, I can't get all this. And it's true, you can't get all this. I mean, we can go over it, and we've gone over it. How many times in the book of Daniel we've seen the same things? You have to study it yourself. You have to take the time to put it together the best you can. But if you said, I haven't got it all, that's okay, Daniel didn't either. Listen to what it says. As for me, verse 8, I heard but could not understand. I didn't put it all together. So I said, my Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? He says, what's going on? I haven't been able to put it together. I don't think Daniel ever put it completely together. I think he saw the kingdoms to come. I think he saw about the Antichrist. I think he saw about the, the peace pact. I think he saw the abomination desolation. I think he saw the Messiah coming. I just don't think he figured out how it all fit. And the truth is, it'd be hard to put it together and see how it all fit. 
until the book of Revelation came. And that's why I think it's easier for us to say we've got Daniel and we've got Revelation and we've got Zechariah and we've got Matthew 24 and 25 and we've got First and Second Thessalonians. We've got all this stuff. It makes it fit together easily because we have more information. And he said that knowledge would increase back in verse 4. So what does he tell him then? He says, go your way, Daniel. Do your thing, Daniel. For these words are concealed and sealed up to the end of time. He says, they're, they're protected and sealed to the end. And then he says, many will be purged, purified, and refined, and, none of the, and, none of the, uh, and the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. He says, what's going to happen in the final thing is that when he will be purged, cleansed, and purified, purified means to be made righteous. When, when a person believes in Jesus Christ, they, they've given God's righteousness, and they're ref, refined means to develop, to help mature, to grow. He says, that's going to happen. He says, but there's a great truth too, that the wicked's still going to be wicked. There are going to always be people who do not believe in Jesus Christ and who do not accept Christ as their Savior, do not trust in Him for eternal life. And that's going to always be. And so he says, listen, wicked will be wicked. And then look what he says at the end of verse 10. None of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will. Believers can understand the things of God. Unbelievers cannot. Let me show you something. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man cannot understand the things of God. When you go out of this room and you talk to a person who's not a Christian, don't go to the book of Daniel and try to explain this part to them. They're not going to understand it. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts the unbeliever of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And it says sin, and sin is that they have not believed in Christ. So when you talk to unbelievers, don't talk about Daniel or Revelation. Stay on the gospel message. Stay on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again. If they will believe in Him, they will have eternal life. That God so loved the world, gave His Son, whoever believes has eternal life. Stay on the gospel message because the Holy Spirit is convicting them of the fact that they haven't believed in Christ. That's why with the unbeliever, you always stay on the salvation message, stay on the gospel. Now, we got one other little part, and it's really, really hard because nobody knows what this means. Let's look at it. He says in verse 11, from that time, the regular, from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished, that's the abomination desolation. And the, and the abomination desolation is set up. There will be 1,290 days. Now, if you've been listening, or if you haven't been listening, you don't know anything. But if you have been listening, you think, whoa, 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 whoa. Three and a half years is 1,260 days. He says from the abomination desolation, there'll be 1,290 days. That's 30 more days. That's 30 more days past the end of the tribulation. What does it mean? I don't know. Nobody knows. But here's what we think. We think that when Jesus Christ comes back, if you remember from Matthew 24, 25, he's going to come back and set up a kingdom. And as he sets up the kingdom, he separates the believers from the unbelievers. And the unbelievers are put to death and the believers get prepared to go into the kingdom. Many people believe that after he comes back, this 30-day time period, the 1290 days, is him setting up the kingdom 
uh, and, and dividing between the believers and the unbelievers. And that would be fine, but there's another verse. And look what that verse says. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and obtains to the 1,335 days. What? That's more days. That's 45 more days. So let me just show you something. A lot of people believe this that when Jesus Christ comes, that's at the 1,260 days. As he gets ready to set up the kingdom for 30 days, he is taking the unbelievers and casting them into a a place called Hades. He's taking the believers and preparing for the kingdom. And then it says how blessed is the one who, who makes it to the 1335, which is 45 more days. And many people believe that 1335 is where God rewards believers. So where a lot of people think the judgment seat of Christ is up here while the tribulation is going on, other people believe in that 45-day time period is when God rewards the uh, believers. And so that 1335, another 45 days, rewards as believers into the kingdom. So let me show you a view. Here's a view. The 1260 days is the end of the tribulation. The 1290 days is the time of judgment and separation. And the uh, the 1335 is the time of rewards and kingdom. The truth is, nobody knows what those days mean. Nobody knows. He didn't tell us. He just says, there'll be 1290 days. We could say, I thought... It's 1260 till the end of the tribulation. What's the 30 days for? And he says, well, good. We'll hang on to the 1335. What's those other 45 days for? He does not tell us. We do not know. One day we'll know. And we'll go, oh. And they say, I think JV was right. He was right, you know. But who knows? Who knows? He doesn't tell us. There's one final thing, and this is my favorite part. Look at verse 13. But as for you. Go your way to the end. He says, just go on till you die. Then you will enter into rest, that's when you die, and rise again, that's resurrection, for your allotted portion at the end of the age. Daniel's going to die, be raised from the dead, and be rewarded. Think about that. He's going to die. That's his rest is die. Rise again is resurrection. Getting his portion is rewards in his place in the land. Do you know that Daniel spent almost his entire life separated from his land? He was 13, 14 years old when he was taken out of Jerusalem and he never got to go back. But one day, God says, you're going to die. I'm going to raise you up, Daniel. I'm going to give you your portion. And I think that's going to be Daniel's going to get his place in the land. Then let me say something about every one of us. One of these days, you're going to die. And then one of these days, you're going to be raised. And one of these days, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ, and he's going to give you your portion. And what we want him to say to all of us is, what? Well done. Well done. We want to stand there, and he go, amazing. You served me. I was so proud of you. You did this. I, listen, well done, good and faithful servant. I have this for you. First John chapter 2 says, we do not want to be ashamed at his coming. When we stand before him, and he doesn't say, well done. Has nothing to do with salvation, has to do with rewards. What's it going to be like if he goes, well, thanks for coming. <laughs> right? <laughs> What's it going to be like? We want to hear him say, well done. One day, Jesus Christ is coming in the clouds. And whether it's going to happen here and we stand before him and he says, well done, or whether it's going to happen down here 
when he says, well done, one of these days we're going to be raised from the dead to stand before our Savior and to give an account of our lives. It has nothing to do with salvation. Salvation is a gift. You're saved and saved forever. One of these days we'll be with him and stand before him. Just to make sure you understand, after the thousand-year reign of Christ, which is the kingdom, there's the great white throne judgment, which the unbelievers are judged, and any name not found written in the book of life, and that's the unbelievers, they're cast in the lake of fire. Then we go to eternity, that's Revelations chapter, Revelation chapter 21 and 22, and uh, you can study that if you want to, to see what it's going to be like. We won't be in heaven. We'll be on a new heaven and a new earth in a holy city called the New Jerusalem. So read Revelation chapters 21 and 22. So as we end, let's do this. Let's realize that Jesus Christ rose again and conquered death. Everybody's going to rise. Listen, the first resurrection is Jesus Christ, the church, the Old Testament tribulation saints. We're going to all be raised to, you know, at different times, but all in the first resurrection. Then there'll be the second death after the thousand years, the unbelievers. So just understand something. That death is not the end. It's never been the end. When Jesus Christ died and rose again, he conquered death. We will all exist forever. Some of us will live forever, eternal life with Jesus Christ. Some will die forever, second death, because they did not believe in Jesus Christ. Second thing is all of us are going to give an account. We're talking about believers and unbelievers, believers at the judgment seat of Christ and unbelievers at the great white throne judgment. And one day you'll stand before your Savior. Romans 14, each one of us will give an account. Let us stay on the gospel message when we share with unbelievers. Think about that. Don't take an unbeliever to Daniel 12 and say, what do you think these dates are? There's no way for them to know any of these kind of things. They cannot know the spiritual truths. That's why the Holy Spirit is convicting them of the fact that they have not believed in Jesus. So we want to stay on that issue. And last but not least, may we trust God in the things we don't understand. Daniel said, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And he said, don't worry about it. Go your way. Do your thing. There's some things we're not going to know. Some things we can't put together. We don't know what these days are. We don't know what kind of, when it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Is that true? What kind of body will we have when we're present with the Lord? We don't know. It never tells us. Never tells us because our body is still in the ground. That body goes in the ground, soul and spirit goes to be with the Lord. What kind of body are you going to have? I have no way to know. Only way you know is die. If you want to find out, die, and then you can find out. But there's no way to know. So there's some things in the Bible because God is infinite and we are finite. And even though we're going to exist forever with him, we're not God. And there'll be some things... We can never know. We just got to trust him in the things we don't always understand. May we seek to serve our Savior, even when we don't know and understand everything, knowing that one of these days there'll be a resurrection and an accounting. And may we hear our Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant.